everybody. Welcome to the show. We got another episode here of I guess I'm calling it Wafit Radio. I don't know. I feel like I need to change the name like every time I do a, one of these podcasts. But either way, <laughs> today on the show we have Jeremy. Oh, dude, I, I'm gonna butcher your last name. D- Dinkin. Yeah, that's good. Oh, there we go. Jeremy Dinkin. Um, <laughs> he's a chiropractor. Dude, we met online on on the gram. And yeah, man, we just uh, I been following you for a minute now i think we follow each other mutually for a while but yeah always see your stuff pop up and you were like hey let's do a podcast and i was like hell yeah let's do it so <laughs> yeah. yeah man uh, <laughs> i'll have you just give us the elevator pitch who you are what you do and go from there yeah so i uh back to what you were just saying about following each other i i like to learn believe it or not um a little bit of stuff online and uh, people that I feel like are smart and putting out good stuff, I tend to just gravitate to those accounts. And you were, you were definitely up there. Um, I maybe we somehow know each other through like Connor's program or something. Um, maybe I saw him post one of your things or Ben. Um, but yeah, it's it was something that uh, I wanted to do because I like your content and I wanted to connect. And uh, me myself, I'm a chiropractor out in New Jersey. I have been practicing since 2019. Started my practice right away. Um, just cause I wasn't, wasn't a fan of like the traditional chiropractic office. So always wanted to have my own brand, my own practice, do things the right way, at least in my opinion. And so I started here, um, in this gym right during COVID. Um, but business was during COVID, uh, I was still one-on-one with everybody. So I was able to work and continue on and then it took off from there. So now we're just c- continuing to grow and build the practice and hopefully change people's lives. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. That's awesome. So were you a trainer before you became a chiropractor or like, how did that work out? I, um, <clears throat> I played 14 years of football. So okay. I, I, um, had that strength and conditioning background just from so much training over the years. Um, I wanted to be a trainer, but I never actually like got a job as one. I was just like extremely interested of, like on my own terms. And, uh, so training, nutrition, all that stuff. And when it came time to graduate and be done with school, I actually got in an injury um, playing football and my neighbor just happened to be a chiropractor. <laughs> and so he saw me walk in with the neck brace and conned me essentially into going into his office. And long story short, I ended up working for him. And that's how I kind of got into this field. And I kind of was like, I was like, how can I just, you know, bridge the gap essentially like training chiropractic. Cause I saw like the potential in it. I was like, I saw a lot of people that needed, you know, exercise and help and coaching and all that stuff. So I wanted to kind of like be the first person to bridge the gap. And uh, thankfully I found a way after, you know, rigorous attempts, but now we're making it come to come to life. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I think that's interesting because, you know, even with someone who you went the chiropractic route, whereas I went more physical therapy route, it's funny that we have similar goals of like bridging the gap between training and like, the health profession or like rehab in a lot right. of sense. And I, that just tells me more and more. It's like, dude, it doesn't matter what you do. There's still a huge gap out there between all this. And it's like huge gap. Yeah. That's why I laugh at like the beef between like Kairos and PTs. It's like, honestly, at the end of the day, we, if we're good at what we do, it should look almost identical. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like that's, that's how I feel. You know, I, I can't tell you the last time, I had a conversation or like a serious conversation and it was about like my credentials or, you know, what exactly it was that was like my specialty. I'm like, dude, I want to be good at 
about everything like yeah. <laughs> everything that's within my scope i want to at least like you know have some sort of skill in it or like you know skin in the game with it so exactly yeah and i think that's a i don't know a personally i mean i'm obviously pushing my bias but i think that's how everybody should be if you're right. going to be in the health profession or even a trainer it's like you should know a lot about this stuff but exactly it with chiropractic is there like a pretty big like burnout rate with you all or oh big time and that's another reason why i wanted to start my own practice mm-hmm. it was because so i worked for that neighbor that ended up being a chiro and um you know, the traditional chiropractic model is high volume. So tons of people, very quick appointments. And that I, I was as a, as an assistant, I was getting burned out. <laughs> it was just a lot of people constantly, you know, just in and out of the doors. It's just like a lot of like quick conversations. You, you get burned down for a bit. And so I was shadowing when I was out in school in Southern Cal, I was shadowing, um, a doctor named Sebastian Gonzalez, who ended up being like basically my mentor. Um, and I was seeing that he was doing longer appointments, 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half for an eval. And I was like, wow, this is like way more my speed. Um, obviously, it's going to be a drop in volume. So that, you know, that had to, I had to kind of learn the business side of things to make it make sense, um, which we'll talk about later. But that's uh that's a huge issue and especially in pt too like they put four people on at your schedule on your schedule at once like yeah you know how it's the same type of thing like high volume get as many people as you can can just turn over uh what insurance policy does everybody have Mm -hmm. um so i was not on board with that and i always wanted to avoid burnout um and even as like a solo business practitioner now like solo business owner it's still you know it's not easy but it's much better than that option yeah, totally. And dude, that I gotta say, that takes some balls, especially like right out of school. Like you knew what you wanted to do. You're like, I'm going right into it solo. Like right ready. In. So I mean, I guess like what what pushed you down that? Like what was like I'm were you even like in school thinking like I'm gonna go solo, I'm gonna open a clinic ASAP? Well, so <clears throat> that's a great question. I uh in the middle of school, I'll never forget this. It was like after part one boards. So like after our first year. Mm-hmm. I had like a midlife crisis essentially in Cairo school. Like I didn't want to do what that guy was doing and which a majority of the chiropractors do. It's like you find the car accident patients, you know, you send them through the loop and you see them 500 times in a month. Like I didn't want to do that. So I started shadowing like crazy and up and down the coast, sports medicine, doctors, uh, regular chiros, PTs, everything, trainers. I was just trying to get as much real life knowledge and experience as I could. And so I slowly started to formulate like an idea of like what Sebastian was kind of already doing, like Mm -hmm. one hour sessions, very heavily involved with exercise, not just like soft tissue stuff. And I think a combination of both was like what I wanted to do and working with people that like care about lifting and training hard. Like I saw after shadowing and then I also got obsessed with going to continuing ed courses, ERI, DNS, like all of those I was going Spending all my money I didn't have <laughs> as a poor Cairo student. Right. Um, just trying to get as much info, like you said, as I, I wanted to be the best. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of when I started like more towards like seventh term, which is like three quarters of the way done. Um, I started to realize like, okay, I'm, I'm really confident now, like in my adjusting, I'm really confident now in like my clinical stuff. Now I need to start learning like the business skills if I wanted to open up my own practice. And so that was only in like 10th term when I started shadowing 
my newest mentor, um, mm-hmm. who I'm now business partners with, he opened up my eyes to like the business side of things. So I had obsessed over the clinical stuff. And then towards the very, very end, I started learning more about the business stuff. And I think a combination of all that was like, all right, you're ready to rock. Like clinically, I'm very confident with like treating a patient business wise. I wasn't so confident, but I was like, screw it. I'll just learn on the way. <laughs> and that's, that's exactly how it happened. Yeah. And, you know, learn by doing right. Like 30 to the wolves and yeah. you can figure it out one way or another, but exactly. No, I, that's so in like a Cairo, I, I'm always fascinated, especially like going down these different like practices, like, cause, cause I, so I'm a PTA. So mm-hmm. I did three years instead of like the doctor at four year. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm always like, all right, well, what, what's the difference? Like, what did a DPT do? Like, what is, what does that look like? And then I found out like my buddy was going to the DPT program and like the literal only difference was they just learned like, um, di- like diagnostic codes, basically <laughs> like the diagnostic <laughs> codes to utilize for insurance to say what the, you know, diagnosis is, they get money. Right. Like, wow. And they had an extra 50 questions on their board exam. I was like, okay, like that's interesting. Huge difference. Yeah, right. And I'm like, okay, so I learned everything else basically. So, right. but I'm curious, like, do they teach you any business stuff or are they like already like saying, hey, you got to like go insurance route. You got to do this. Like, this is how you fit into a clinic setting and be a good employee. Like, what is that? Is that what they do? That's that's exactly why we started our course. <laughs> so no, they, they don't teach like any of it. We got uh, one semester or sorry, one, yeah, one semester of one course. Mm-hmm. It was extremely basic. That's being generous. Um, the Basically, the biggest thing I got out of that was the guy pulled up in a Lamborghini and was like, hey, yeah, this is possible. Like, that was the extent of my business knowledge in, in Cairo school. Um, I, I ended up going to shadow that guy because I thought it was cool that he showed up in a Lamborghini. And um, he had nothing special going on. He had no idea, no tactics, no strategies. And so I was like, this is, this is a shit show. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they don't teach you any of that. It's basically the full first year is just like science. Like yeah. I lost my ability to like communicate with humans. Cause I was just in a library every day, um, reading about science. Yeah. And then after that, they start to go into more of like the adjustment stuff and like soft tissue techniques. And then you finally start to like get a little bit of a glimpse of like hope in terms of like getting out of school. Cause you start doing like hands-on stuff. And then towards the end, like, it's really up to you to like go shadow and like get out there. And a lot of people don't do that. They didn't have like that. I basically brought that like football player mentality of like just trying to improve constantly and like pushing myself in the Cairo world. And so I just, I kept doing things, extracurricular stuff, wasn't always on campus, which was the best thing I could have done for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, just learning and trying to pick people's brains and take the stuff that I like, what I didn't like, which is also important. Um, and then keep on building from that. But in terms of like Cairo education, there's one semester, one course, and it's, you know, sign up for like magazines. Like, oh, okay, thank you. I'll build a business on that. Perfect. What? <laughs> yeah. That's, I remember that being like a legit advice. That's crazy. Yeah. It's that's... bad. It's bad. And then, you, like you said, there's one course on like learning the codes for insurance. Mm-hmm. And I knew I didn't want to do that route. So I wasn't really interested in that class. <laughs> yeah. So it was rough, but again, you got to jump through the loops just to get that expensive piece of paper. And then whatever you do with it after that, like I would say probably 90% of my class, 
maybe more are not practicing if if even like working at all. Really? Yeah, what? it's scary. Yeah. Is that just due so, to COVID, do you think? Or they just hate it? Like I just think, well, no guidance on on business, right? If you if you run a practice, I know one kid um is definitely doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. He I keep in I keep in contact with him. But like a majority of my my other classmates, like I don't know what they're doing. It's crazy. That and is that's nuts. the yeah, I just shared a uh in the business group that I, I coach, I just shared a uh you know, small business fact, after four or five years, 50% of small businesses fail. Right. So if that's why that's what scared me. And that's what drove me to like, learn the back end stuff. It's because I don't like, I didn't want that to be me. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So, so you got to take, yeah, you got to take matters into your own hands. <laughs> I think, man, like it, it's nuts. Cause it's, it, you know, it, it's like follow the money. Right. And I, right. Cause I know like with physical therapy programs, it's the same way. And so like I went to a for-profit program, right? And like that's all we did. And it was great. Like my my instructors were fantastic. But even they were saying, like, especially as we kind of went through the process, they're like, you shouldn't be charged this much to go to learn this information. Like, <laughs> this is absurd. Like they're screwing 100%. over. Yeah, yeah. And they're like kind of talking about that. So it's like the fact that education is like you as a student have to pay so much for education you come out probably with student loans i know i did and then it's like the only way you kind of know how to make money is either to be an employee and get burned out and do that route or it's insurance which we all know is like not a fun route like at all not at all right yeah so it's like they just it it's like perpetuating shit throughout the system (laughs) dude it really is and i think my my passion was to be against that like Mm -hmm. i wasn't letting that happen to me and i saw exactly what you were saying like you come out of school dude i literally my first few offers Mm -hmm. on um on interviews were less than my my wife's a teacher yeah they were less than hers yeah that's crazy that was when i was like all right i'm officially like starting my own thing like there's no way that's a slap in the face was that in southern Uh, california that was when I moved back to Jersey. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so I was I was offered. There was one guy that was. It was six days a week. Family friend, like my family, kind of helped him build his practice from scratch. Yeah, and I was expecting like you know, a decent offer. Yeah, <laughs> and that was the lowest one. It was lo- it was less than my wife's salary, and I was like, I'm starting my practice. <laughs> yeah, because like you said, you graduate, and this is what happens. This is why healthcare, I think, is has a huge problem. Is these younger people get, they get uh, hired yeah, and then they work at these big clinics. They get burnt out. They either quit or they try to start their own thing. And now they have all these bad habits built in. They never learned business skills. They never learned anything. And then that starts another kind of similar clinic. And now they're trying to pick the younger crew and it's just like a perpetual cycle. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, if, for the people listening to this that aren't you know, looking for this business stuff, which whatever, we'll talk about other stuff, I promise. But, (laughs) but like, just thinking of it as like, you probably have your shit at work and you're like, ah, this sucks. And like, there's probably perpetual, you know, hoop travels downhill kind of deal that's happening to you. But that also happens the same way for your healthcare provider. So that person that's seeing you and you're like, oh, why am I, why is there another person on the table next to me? And they're like trying to do this, like, this is why like we're all kind of stuck in this 
I don't purgatory of some sort. That's like, I don't 100%. know, but I, I guess I'm curious to kind of like pivot off of that. Like, you know, obviously you're going to be biased based off your own business, but like, and most people on here are probably like already looking for providers like this, but like, what are like your top three things? Like in a Cairo, a physical therapist, like it, I don't think it doesn't matter, matter the label, like mm-hmm. pick your thing person listening to this, but like, what would be your top three like values that someone needs to have? That's a beautiful question. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Number one communication, I think like number one, Um, just like any relationship, you want to be open. You want to be constant communication um, on the same page, hopefully shared decision-making stuff like that. Like obviously you're the clinician, so you got to dictate like the plan, but like letting that person have a say, tell them like explaining to you your goals that all plays a role in the, in the treatment plan. Mm. So communication is a big one. Um, spending the time. I always I constantly post about this. Um, two minute appointments, not going to cut it just flat out. It's not yeah. going to work. Um, five minute appointments, not going to cut it. So um, my model is one hour each session. And so the manual therapy, the assessments, all the stuff we do in the room in here is like the first 20, 30 minutes. And then the other 30 minutes is in the gym. So I'm located in a gym. Um, we have plenty of room in there, creativity galore. Um, can set people up with basically anything. The gym is amazing. Mm-hmm. So um, I think for number three would just be the, you know, the education and the knowledge to share with that patient so that they have the tools they need so that when they're not in the office or the clinic, they can use those that information, that knowledge to kind of self-manage. Mm-hmm. I think those three things um, are like crazy, crazily underrated. Um, yeah and not utilize at all in bigger clinics. And that's kind of my fight is like against the bigger clinics. They just want to see more volume and just want more people and more turnover, more insurance pro- policies that, that cover. Um, that's, that's my fight. Gotcha. I, I hear you, man. I like those. I, do, do you still accept insurance or are you completely cash-based? I'm this close to going full cash. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have about like 10%, maybe 15%, maybe 10% um, of patients that do have good policies. So like they do cover my cash rate. Wow. Um, but it is very rare. And then we always offer like super bills, they're called. Um, so anything that we charge them here, they can always submit themselves. Right. But I have a I have an entire billing team designated for all that because I have, you know, I don't want to deal with that. So yes. <laughs> um, I have, you know, the billers that will submit everything, hopefully get us paid um, for that small percentage of patients. And then the other people are just cash because either deductible is way too high, which we can still like, you know, feed them the deductible uh, cash they pay us. Right. Or they don't have any benefits for Cairo at all, which again, I'm prepping myself, always thinking ahead, like who knows what chiropractic benefits are going to be like in five years. Like it's been dwindling since I've graduated. So yeah. I always wanted to be 100% cash, but for the few people that it makes sense for, um, that's why I stay like I stay out of network. So not in network. Mm-hmm. Um, in network's more of like your high end or your high volume clinic. Right. I am out of network, so it's more they reimburse more more so like my cash rate. Gotcha. Okay. I honestly know what you're going to say to this, but which one would you recommend for someone, out of network or in network? <laughs> <laughs> so, not to stereotype and over. Uh, overanalyze or whatever Mm -hmm. um in network is classically like everybody's covered it's a very cheap copay and it's a very quick appointment 
there's no thought process really behind treatment. It's just like, come in, get adjusted, heat, stim, see you later. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a great model. I mean, I know guys that make plenty more money than I do doing that. Um, just something that me, like internally, I didn't, didn't align with my core values. So I never wanted to do that, that model. And so the out of network kind of version is you're not in network with those companies. It's probably a lot less likely that you are covered. Um, and you're probably going to be paying some type of cash at least, maybe for a few sessions, and then you're covered, or fully cash, whatever it is. Um, but those clinics typically spend more time with you. Like I was mentioning, um, they don't really abide by the insurance rules. Like I don't let insurance dictate what I do, yeah. no matter what. Um, I play the game for those few patients, but even for that, like I have to unfortunately change like the way they want the notes and all that because um, it's a game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I obviously would recommend out of network slash cash. That's why like I chose this route. Um, but if you're looking for just quick pain relief and it covers your insurance and you're not expecting much out of it, why not? Yeah. I, the, what I'm kind of hearing is like, and the way I think of it too, is like, if you're someone that doesn't want to think you go in network. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. And whereas like, if you go, if you want to learn something that's probably going to, benefit you in the long run like you know what you're talking about like hey we're gonna spend 30 minutes in the gym let's talk about lifting let's do these other things which 99.9 percent of people listening to this are probably going to be these right. folks because they're listening to a fitness podcast um but yeah like you're trying to learn something else and gain value and if anything like you find someone who's going to be in your corner for the long run right exactly exactly it, and that's what's like, cool about this is like we work together And so I don't know how many clinics are doing, you know, barbell back squats with their patient as the doctor's there giving cues, touching certain muscles, making sure like your obliques are firing or whatever it is. Like I've worked at the other places. I know they're not doing that. So being in the setting, being like, and me being like a power lifter also after football, like having the knowledge to share about all that stuff, um, people really see the value in that. So you can't do that. You can't bill for that in network. So. And you don't have the time when you're in network because you have so many people to just keep coming in. So yeah. that's my that's my argument against it. Um, something that I, you know, it's it's tough to. It's also a lot tougher to be a cash based out of network provider because mm-hmm. now you have to tell people why you're valuable and why they should spend money with you rather than the guy down the street who's five dollars a session. Right. So it goes both ways. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that's I, I always think about that. It's like, man, you know insurance just has us so brainwashed in some ways it's like oh man like you're out of network and you don't it's like you don't even hear anything else exactly dude that literally happened to me the other day i was like it was going extremely smooth like perfect patient hasn't barbelled uh hasn't deadlifted in seven months due to her pain Mm -hmm. wanted to get back to crossfit like that's like my perfect client right there right very confident in treating that type of injury uh and the second that that conversation came up it was like completely switched the the tone of the combo. And I was like, damn, I mean, I have to do a better job of explaining why I'm different, mm-hmm. but it is a shame that, you know, a lot of people will just live and die by that. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's like, man, yeah. you could have be the best provider in the world. And it, like you said, it's a, it's a marketing thing at the end of the day. Like, you know, this podcast is a marketing for me at the end of the day. Right. And it's still like mm-hmm. strengthen my argument for out of network cash based type things. Right? Exactly. But also, I think too, it's like you and I have both been failed by in network. 
yeah. things. And we've been in a situation probably where we have failed because of that setting, failed our patients. Right. And there's like people 100%. That you know you could probably help so much more, but you either one don't have the time, you especially like doing 15 minutes tops, 20 right. minutes, right? Like it's just it's super frustrating. It's like you can't it really provide is. provide the quality that you know you're capable of. Right. And, and that's that's why I know the other clinics, like I I don't say this to like prospective clients, but I just I kind of say it in like a nicer way. I'm like, I just I know you're better off in here than anywhere around this area. I just yeah. I know for a fact because I've been in those offices. I've been around that block. I know how it is. Yeah, totally. I so I've been treated by chiropractors in the past. Like when I was in high school, I saw a physical therapist, he was terrible. And then I saw a chiropractor and he was better. And I loved the idea of just getting adjusted. They also had like a super awesome massage therapist in there. And like she would like it was part of the whole process and the insurance. I was like, I don't know. My parents were paying for it. I didn't know what was going on. So that was awesome. Then I like got injured in college, had all these things. I went to a in-network physical therapy clinic and they had like two pound pink dumbbells on the floor, like and a medicine ball. And I was like, okay, like I'm over here, like trying to bench, you know, 225 and I'm having right. shoulder pain and you're trying to fix me. So I was like, this is dumb. And I finally <laughs> like made that connection and I was already thinking like, I'm going to go to physical therapy school, but I was like, this, like, I don't, or I was between like, you know, physical therapy school or chiropractic because I had had a good experience. Mm -hmm. I find this guy and he's in Lexington, Kentucky. But uh, anyways, uh, if if you want to know his name, I'll tell you later on, but, it's yeah. not about him, but he's a strong man competitor. And I was like, okay, like, that's a good sign. Like this guy's doing at least something that like he lifts. Right. I go to this guy and he's got freaking bear paws. Like he's like six foot five, just a mammoth of a human. And he's like practicing ART, which for oh, him God. is like, yeah, boom, like destroys your freaking muscles. Yeah. But, you know, he was doing the same thing, 45 minutes to an hour. And it was expensive for me as a kid, like a college kid. It was like, man, dude, I can't believe I'm paying this much. But like, He'd sit there and watch me squat. He'd do this stuff. We'd do tests, retests. And I was like, this is how it should be. And then I right. went to, you know, later down the line, I found a physical therapy clinic that did the same thing. I was like, okay, it's not about what you do. It's just like how you do it. Exactly. Exactly. And, I think my first seminar I did was uh, a breathing seminar. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough. And um, it was with a CrossFit gym that I had never been to. And so I was a little nervous. And so I asked a massage therapist who also I saw was like on the movement train. I, I was watching his post. He was a local guy. We ended up hitting it off. Practice is pretty similar to how I practice. Right. And just has an LMT license. And um, we did the seminar together and we hit it off. And uh, everything went smooth and we ended up working in the same, like he's right next to me now. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. Like there's so many different, it, it's kind of annoying have you heard of people, and this is going to be my last like business related question, but like, have you heard of the <laughs> like over or, or the the push to take physical therapy, chiropractic, massage therapy and push it all into one like kinesiology type field or something? Have you heard about that? I've heard a little bit. I've heard like the more of like the modern era of kids, students right. <laughs> um, yes. saying like it should be pushed into that. Um I don't know how I feel about it. I think, I mean, 
as long as we're helping people, you know, and, and, you know, what is really the difference between me and a PT? Maybe just the adjustments. I don't know. PTs are now adjusting. We're doing exercises. Like what is the real difference? You know, I think, um, I think schools in general need to be better at updating information. I know that takes like, you know, 10, 20 years to do, Mm -hmm. but with, with all the research, like now available, like I think schools need to do their due diligence and like, update stuff, update curriculums, update information so that everybody does become more of the same. And still, you can have your own titles, but as long as we're all on the same page, I mean, that's the goal. That's when the client wins. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, Pat Davidson says it all the time, like fitness and rehab and all that stuff. We're still in like the gilded age. It's like the freaking wild west. Like we, yeah, you know, uh, I think I listened to one of his things and he was talking about how 30 years ago, we thought that exercise was bad for your heart because it increased in size. Like you would have hypertrophy of your heart, right? which they look at that back then and they were like, oh, hypertrophy of the heart. That means you're at more risk for like a heart attack, right? Because that was like a common thing they saw or correlation. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh yeah, like I can't believe we actually thought that 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 was bad. Like exercise is literally bad for us. And that was just 30 years ago. Like I know it's even, yeah. A lot of like the diet stuff too. Right. Same concept. It's nuts, man. And it's just, I mean, I don't know. Like you probably think of it as like in 20 years, the stuff we're talking about right now, people are going to look at me like, can't believe someone fell for that. I know. Like it'll become (laughs) so much more streamlined, but then there'll be a whole nother, I don't know. There's just always opportunities for people to like, make a quick buck and yep. they don't care who they hurt in the way in the no. on the way. And it's unfortunate, but hopefully people listening to this, you're a smart consumer and you become more smart because yeah. of this. So at least we can th- bring awareness. Exactly. Awareness. That's exactly what we're doing here. So yep. I, I would kind of like to play off because you were talking about the difference between PTs and Kairos and you're like, you know, Kairos are doing more exercise. Now PTs are doing adjustments. What's an adjustment? What does that do? And why does that like, why is that such a defining factor of chiropractic? I'm, wow. Putting me on the spot, huh? I, dude, I need so, to know. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, no, it's a phenomenal question. And thankfully I did go to more of a um, science-based, like research-based school, mm-hmm. more modern than the, than the classic chiro school. So we learned, you know, the sciences behind it. And classically, it's just like, you know, the gases build up. You hear that pop. It's just like the release of gas called a tribonucleation. Um, it's, it's nothing like putting your bone back into place, but they do, you know, some schools still teach that they do try to teach, you know, the theory, um, like the, you know, like the philosophy behind it, mm-hmm. um, bone back into place, which helps the nervous system heal. Um, you know, that makes sense when you say it like that. And it's, it's very easy to simplify when you say it like that, like, Oh, it's, push this bone back in and now you're aligned and now your nerves are going perfect. Like that is an easy way to explain something, but it's, it's in my opinion, um, might get killed for this, but it's, it's not that it's not putting a bone back into place. Um, it's just that cavitation sound, which has definitely some, um, like pain relief benefits. Like it's still sending a signal to your brain. It's like, Whoa, this is a different sensation, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe now you would do adjust, you do an adjustment, you go into the gym, you squat and there's no pain like that plays a tremendous role on someone's perception of pain. Right. So there's definitely tremendous value there. I still do a lot of muscle work. I still do the adjustments, um, so that temporarily 
they feel great. Now we go into the gym, do the exercises, do the positional rehab, all that, so that they feel good. And now up here, they have the confidence and the belief that they can get better. Mm-hmm. So that's how I utilize um, adjustments and explain it to my clients. It's not, we're not like pushing it back into place, right? If, if that was the case, football players would be all over the place, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So it does, it does do something. It does do something positive. And I, I still do it, so I believe in it. But right. the fact that um, we're still perpetuating, some chiros are still perpetuating, like your bones misaligned. We got to put it in alignment. Like that, I believe to be outdated information. Gotcha. Okay. Have you noticed, like, say you're having trouble with some of the positional drills, right? And so you're relying on some manual or like a cavitation, right? Mm-hmm. And remind me, like, so a, a cavitation, that's grade four thrust? Grade yes. Five. Okay. That's what I'm like thinking back to my things. I'm Wait, like, is it? It might be grade five, actually. I think it's right. five. Yeah. It's like five is like going beyond, I believe. Yes. Yes. Uh, that's like, like with that. the thrust. <laughs> right. Right. So like I'm allowed to do joint mobilizations up to grade three. But I, it, the second I get like a cavitation or anything like that, like if I go just too far, like yeah. <laughs> legal cases could ensue. Like, right. <laughs> right. Like, or, like, oh, 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 didn't mean that to happen. Bring exactly. It back. <laughs> like, it's crazy. But so for the research, like joint mobilizations, like they are super, super helpful and they can like get that joint moving again, whatever the heck is happening from a neurological synovial fluid, who knows what the everything probably happening but i was curious like after you know you get a crack get a pop have you noticed like table tests will like improve pretty drastically on someone yeah so i actually got um tutored we'll call it for for people what i'm talking about table tests i'm talking about like range of motion assessments like how far can you bring your knee to your chest how well does your shoulder internally rotate so go ahead sorry so i got tutored um, and educated by a person that did Bill Hartman's um, mentorship. So nice. I, re- I really enjoyed being tutored by him. He taught me a lot. And so he actually kind of helped me bridge the gap there between adjustments and why we do them mm-hmm. and looking for an outcome from it, not just like doing it to adjust. Right. And so he originally, you know, hey, are you looking for, you know, IR at this hip to improve? So maybe you should do an adjustment on that hip in IR. So I, I started to look at it from that kind of lens and yeah, I always have people do the toe touch, always have them squat. We'll always do the hip flexion, internal, external, um, table test still. And I don't always do it. Like I don't do the adjustment, then retest. I'll do the manual and the adjustment retest, then do the exercises retest. I kind of break it up between soft tissue and adjustments and exercise, but that is a good, I should try just to try. I should just one day test it out and yeah. see if the table tests improve just from the um, adjustments. But yeah, that now I have more of like an intent with like the, the Hartman model mm-hmm. of why I'm doing an adjustment and what kind of makes sense and what correlates to like which part of the body. So if things aren't adding up, I think about like Bill Hartman's model, I'll try something at the neck. And yeah. um, you know, if, if that person's up for it. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's, I've heard stories cause I, I hang out with a couple people here in Cincinnati that, are they actually are direct mentees of bill so they like pay him cash they have like two calls a month all that stuff mm-hmm. and like one of the guys um he was telling me that he went up to take uh the intensive and he's there and like 
Bill has some like magical manual skills that he does not talk about. And like really? this guy had like some pretty gnarly pain for like a while. And he went in there and Bill did some like weird adjustment to his sternum. And the guy would just like, boom, like could get a deep breath for the first time in like months or something like that. No so there, way. There's some wild stuff that Bill's got on, in his tool belt. Like I, I know. know. It, that's why I listen to him when he when he talks about adjustments in manual therapy. Yeah. You know, that's kind of like the new thing is to like poo-poo that. But if Bill's a fan of it, I'm a fan of it. So <laughs> well, you know, it's just it's helping so because there's a time, like, I mean, as an online person, like I do everything 100 percent online. Like, well, I have two people in person and I only mm-hmm. see them once a month kind of deal. But that said, like right. they're training clients more than they are like rehab people. But you know, I I, that is one thing I miss is being able to put my hands on people and like, okay, how much range of motion do you have? Let me feel this myself or like, let me, you know, drop an elbow on you. Like, let me hit that vastus lateralis, please. Yeah. Like, and like, but uh, even then, like you can still use a foam roller. You can still use lacrosse ball. You know, like, heck man, I got a voodoo floss, like literally right here. Like that I was showing mm-hmm. someone yesterday. Like there's so many benefits to it because when the system's stuck, it's, for whatever reason it's stuck and you like, right any like that's what makes you a good like knowing when and how to use that stuff is so beneficial 100 percent, and it's been a game changer for me like yeah. i know for a fact because now i coach the, the younger kairos like a lot of those new age people just want to do virtual and want to do just exercise mm-hmm. um, which is fine right it can get you far yeah um but i feel like i have an upper hand when i do manual therapy like even it's just like their perception of what is happening. And I do my best to educate on what I think is truly happening, but like they still like touch the painful area. Like there's something to it, yeah, you know, and, and, and someone's pain experience, like there's something powerful with getting that painful area touched, even though you don't think it could be coming from there. Um, just the fact that they know that, you know, that it's right there yeah. um, has a powerful impact on recovery. Totally. Do you think there's like a, what I don't know what the word is like Pav, Pavlov, Pavlon, Pavlon, I can't see the word Pavlovian, Pavlovian <laughs> like effect with this. Like we're kind of like conditioned to hear that crack. And it's like, ah, relief. Like hundred <laughs> percent. Some people are like, actually, that's why if, if you noticed, I might be the only Cairo, you know, that has never posted an adjustment. <laughs> I don't, um, yeah. You've never posted one. <laughs> never. But because like, that's again, like showing the value of like, we're not just mm-hmm. that, right? Like that's part of it, but we're not just that. Um, I think that there are people out there, especially on TikTok. Like if I wanted to go viral on TikTok, I would just do adjustment videos all day. Yeah. That's the (laughs) wild. The fact that they like spend thousands of dollars on microphone equipment just to get (laughs) cracks. I'm like, this is actually, it's, it's crazy. And I never, I know that that's the way to do it, but I, I refuse again, back to core values. Like it's just not me. Um, but if I ever wanted to go viral, I know what to do. Right. Well, you could easily just do like, hey, get this crack. Here's a microphone. And then yeah. you do a table test right after. True. <laughs> I could do that. And then you're like, hey, and then you just do like your whole like segment. Like, all right, here it is. Joint range motion pretest, crack. How do you feel? Retest. Load it up. <laughs> that actually is a phenomenal idea. Dude, that's some viral stuff. I mean, that maybe is- not viral, <laughs> but at least we'll, it'll show like, hey, like this is what we're doing past this. Like, right. your own back. and go, go, That's go, actually, go. Like, I'm stealing that. I'm going to take it, man. Like, that's <laughs> like anything to like 
I think you're, you're a good guy, man. Like, yeah, I want your business to do well. Like, I'd much <laughs> rather you post shit like that than some of these people. Like, I just can't do. Yeah. I when I say this out loud, I'm like, oh man, I'm getting older. I'm turning into a boomer. But like, I cannot stand TikTok right now. Like, I just can't. Oh, dude, no, it's violent out there. I know, man, and it's like it's Instagram's crazy. tough enough as is. But like, TikTok is one place that it's so. I haven't found someone on there on the platform that's like giving genuine advice. Right. It's so soundbite superficial. Oh yeah. You it's gotta, really it's, tough, man. Like it's a tough place. I realized every post I do about hip mobility is like crazy. Yeah. Like, but it's like, you just have to write like the, the buzzwords, like unlock your hip mobility. Oh yeah. Um, like the secret to your hip mobility, like stuff like that. And um, those do great. But if I do like, hey, do this instead of this, if you're experiencing shoulder pain, it's like, Wah. yeah, every time. <laughs> like you have but on to... Instagram, yeah, like there's completely different. Like I have to make, I can't do the same videos because they're different things. Exactly. Exactly. Like at least Which takes, yeah, it takes too much time. <laughs> exactly. That's the, and people don't understand how much time it takes. Like it's oh. just, you got to make that stuff look pretty and then you have clients yeah. and you got patients and you, then you got to train yourself. And it's like, Oh my God, man. Like <laughs> there's a lot. Yeah. Like before we got on this call, I was editing a podcast. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like this thing's taking me like 45 minutes. Like it, it's just <laughs> that I could have been doing five other things, but Oh, well, I I'm know. just complaining to complain. No one. To- <laughs> no. <laughs> no, trust me. If I didn't, I've, I've taken, it's taken me. I have four years. I'm four years in business now. It's taken me all three and a half to live by a schedule. And now I'm finally like getting the hang of it. Yeah. But if it's not on the schedule, like it's not happening. So exactly. for me editing like a video wasn't on there, like good luck finishing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, man. That, I keep a to-do list and I just like have to write in it every single day. And then anything that doesn't get done on there, I move it to Fridays and I've taken Fridays completely off. I don't see anybody. And that's my Beautiful. day. Yeah, I go to Starbucks, I get a nitro cold brew, and I ham- hammer out anything that was left over from the week. That's and how you got to do it. Yeah, and then all my programming, that's been like the best decision I've ever made for my business stuff. Like Because of you that, have to. made like double this year what I've made last year. Just That's amazing. That. Yeah. That makes me like, happy. It's execution, right? Like right. It's being able to like, because you, you have those thoughts. I don't know about you, but at least for me, I have those thoughts. It's like, I should do this. I should do that. And then I'd do something else and they like are gone <laughs> like, all by the wayside. Yeah. But I, now I take those and I'm like, write it down. Or I, I yell into Siri. I'm like, remember this. <laughs> and, then, and then I, my execution, everything is like from 40% up to at least like, I don't know, maybe like 78% or something like that. Like it's, it's, it's way it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful thing. That's, that's exactly why I have to do it. Yeah. As, as as you know, you're basically the same thing. You're your own business owner. So we wear a lot of hats and, you know, eventually down the road, hopefully we'll have people doing those things for us. But right now, it's like I just hired an admin. Nice. Um, my wife helps me on the back end for the insurance and finance stuff. And then you slowly start to plug and play each, you know, each title. Yep. Um, and then that way we have more time to work on those podcasts, posts, things that still build the business, but now other people are in charge of other things. And that that's how I plan to scale long-term, like mm-hmm. get people in charge of specific departments 
so that we don't have to do all of them 24 seven. And then we run that like top CEO spot. There you go. Or you train chat GPT to do all your work for you. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I, I got to still get it. I don't have it yet, dude. I, so I, and to the person listening to this, I hope they're not, but like I was going to hire on a new intern because I had to let one go and chat GPT came out in December and it literally does everything that I wanted my intern to do. Wow. And I was like, ah, I can't like, I'm using it for everything. Like I'm, that's crazy. Com- I'm coming out with a, a new program ebook called the Swayback solution. Like mm-hmm. buzzword freaking <laughs> whatever, but like, it's going to be a program four weeks long. And then I'm writing an ebook to kind of like talk about it. And to anybody listening to this, like, I don't, I don't care. Like I'm literally chat GPT has written the ebook for me. No way. The whole freaking thing. Like I, when insane. I say the whole thing, I mean, so I wrote my Broken to Beast ebook, which was 59 pages or 49 pages, right? Mm-hmm. That's how it probably took me a month of like working on it every single day. Like yeah. I literally got ulcers on my eyes from my contacts because I was staring at my computer too much working Holy on it. Holy moly. Yeah. I had like antibiotics, go to the gym with glasses on, look like nerd, like it sucked. Like couldn't wear contacts <laughs> for six weeks. That's how much time I put into that book. Wow. Now I should probably buy it. Well, it's pretty good. I'm biased, but it's pretty good. <laughs> but that said, this ebook that I'm writing right now, which granted it, it is shorter. It's on a single topic. It's not like a tr- full 12 week training program. Chat GPT wrote it in 40 minutes at, at Starbucks. And I've no just gone way. through and edited like I'm cats out of the bag, man. I don't care. Like I'll tell people whatever, but like it's literally written the whole thing for me. I'm just going through and adding some expansion compression shit. That's incredible. Yeah. It's insane how useful it is. I have a question for you. Yeah. Where did you get inspiration and in, like the urge to learn the expansion compression model? Uh, it was PRI for sure. Like, okay. cause I started with PRI. Uh, uh-huh. In PT school? Uh, Sort of. Like I had exposure to it online. So Mm -hmm. the first guy who ever got me into it was Bod Mechanic. I don't know if you follow him. He's kind of following. I think so. Yeah. Andreas Spina. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So like I saw he was doing that back in like 2014, something like that. And that's like FRC was big. And I saw this guy doing breathing stuff. I'm like, what the fuck is that? But he's working with bodybuilders. So I'm like, oh, man, like. I need to do what he's doing. And so I right. finally found PRI. Then I was like, I'm going to take a course as a trainer. And I saw it was $500. I was like, I can't afford that. <laughs> so I was still my parents' insurance. And I got into school in Seattle. And because in Lexington, Kentucky, we didn't have any, there was not a single PRI. The closest person was, I think, Bill all the way up in Indianapolis. And I was not about to do that. Right. Um, so I went to Seattle and the first week I was there, I scheduled six appointments with PTs that were like in into PRI. And I just like hopped around and I used my Dude. insurance to <laughs> learn PRI through them. That's, <laughs> like, that's the best thing I've ever heard. That's what yeah, I used to do. <laughs> I, I was like, I, I want to learn this, man. And I just like went in there because I was like legitimately had some like aches and pains, but I was like, why do you do this? What is this? How does this work? Right. And they would like spend an extra 30 minutes with me because they were like super pumped to see that I was in school and all that. But from there, took the basic courses. Then I took Zach Couples course, his first ever human matrix, mm-hmm. learned Bill's name, 
And then that sent me down that rabbit hole. Yes. A lot more. And because, <laughs> you know, PRI, as much as I love it, like I do think that they fail with, or a fail, whatever. Like they need to improve upon like the loading strategies. Right. right? And so that's where Bill was super awesome. He's like, hey, like do a farmer's carry. I'm like, hell yeah, Bill. Like yeah. <laughs> I get to pick up some weight. Like, let's go. Like, so yeah, I just 100%. naturally kind of gravitated toward that and trying to get as much change and meet people where they were. So, yeah. Love that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. It was, that's kind of my whole story with it all, but it's definitely been a fun process. Well, yeah. I got one more question for you. So, yep. When it comes to adjustments, because again, I'm trying to like piece together how it can fit. And, and I'm curious if you have online clients, mm-hmm. but do you teach like self-adjustments? Like, do you have people crack themselves and stuff? I don't, but I will say that <clears throat> when you do like, when you do like the, you know, foam roller, low back opener, like, mm-hmm you've probably gotten a cavitation from that, right? Or you've probably gotten a cavitation from like a thoracic rotation Mm -hmm. uh, with a med ball or something like that. So I just explain it like that. I'm like, we're going to do some mobility exercises Mm -hmm. um, and you might hear a pop. That's completely normal and fine. If it hurts, you let me know. If it's a painful pop, then I need to know. Um, But in terms of like doing like a push from the... (laughs) left SI, like I, I typically say stay away from that because most people um, just become obsessed and yeah. then they think that that's the thing they need all the time and then they become a little loosey-goosey which we don't want um, it happens to me and it happened to me in Cairo school like we practiced on each other all the time and my neck became a little bit unstable really don't want that to yeah it would be like I constantly needed to do this you know I would get the clicking all the time mm. it was painful um, so I, I believe that my ligaments were just like, screw you. Really? So I, I don't like to do the random like self-adjustments, mm-hmm. but I definitely load people up on self-management skills, exercises, um, breathing stuff, all of that to do at home. Like I call it homework. Yeah. Um, they'll get their own plan with everything that we cover in the, in the clinic. They get all those videos. Uh, unfortunately they're not me. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're still all just like YouTube links to like a, a bunch of them are Zach's. Yeah, um, dude, my just, half my library is Zach. Like, yeah, he's, he's already done it, so why not? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> and he's funny, so um, I usually just add the links to each exercise that I rename just so that they remember what it is. Mm-hmm. Have them do that throughout the week, and then we we meet up once a week, and then I'll handle the adjustments. Gotcha. So, in refresh me because again, like. We didn't really go too much into like the grade fours and fives and all that stuff in the cavitation and cavitations for anybody who's like, what the hell is that word? That's when you get the pop yep. of the adjustment. So um does that have a in a an effect on the ligaments around the air? Like does it truly like stretch them over time? I think so. I think it does if you you know you overdo it. Right. Right. Like one push once a week is not gonna do that. But like 70 times a day mm. <laughs> for a semester might right. do it to you. That um, makes sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. Were, we were all practicing all different types of things. Um, you know, and that's what they do in school, right? Like you want to get better. So you got to practice. Okay. Um, and the dummies, like, you're not, how many times can you drop on a dummy, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not the real thing. So 
we let each other practice on each other probably a little too much, but we wanted to get good at the skill. Right. And so I think in that situation, yes. But like your average client, like that's the last thing I'm worried about is like, you know, unless they have Ehler Danlos syndrome, like I'm not worried about right. your lig- your ligaments becoming too loose. Right. Exactly. That makes sense. Thanks, man. That that helps to <laughs> kind of like put it together. Because again, like, because I even have clients who are just like, mm, I think I need to go see my Cairo. I'm like, why? Yeah. And they're like, I just feel like I need an adjustment. I'm like, what, is, <laughs> what does that mean? Like, it's... what does that actually mean for you? Like, and you know, I don't necessarily ask. I'm like, you know, whatever you feel like you need to do, go to it. I like, I'm not going to stop. It's free country. Right. Whatever. Like, if that's your one thing, go for right. it. You're not like, you know, drunk driving. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't get an adjustment. But <laughs> with that said, it's just like that that reliance on like the pop or the need for that. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I was just curious. Like, if you do give someone like those self adjustments, but it's funny that you say like people become almost like addicted to it. Right. Like, that's not my goal. And so <laughs> I tell them, like, this is like, like you don't have to push your neck like yeah when you're home by yourself like actually don't do that um, right. because like you know we don't want it to be loosey goosey yeah so I'll say it just like that and and oh go for it my bad yeah no totally that I I don't know on this conversation I've cracked my joints more than I think I ever have talking to you by the way <laughs> like I'm over here like <laughs> popping my neck That's and stuff like the subconscious mind subconsciously talking about this stuff so. yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, we're we're getting close here on time. Um, I got we got some. I'm sure you got a client. I got one coming up here. But yes, sir. Yeah, Jeremy, if you don't mind, like hit us with the details. Where can we find you? Definitely, you know, plug the the course that you have as well. I want to. Yeah. Anybody that's in Cairo school, like I want they need to know you. Um, Definitely. Yeah, tell yeah. Us about so we, <laughs> we have a a business course because there is such a glaring uh, deficiency in that in Cairo Cairo schools across the country. Um, mm-hmm. We do have the everything you should have learned in Cairo school but didn't. I thought that was a great title. Um, business That's course. <laughs> uh, yeah, with me and Dr. Justin Rabinowitz. Um, he's my business mentor, so we partnered up for that. And then my Instagram is probably the, the most active one I'm on is RSM Athlete Doc. So RSM underscore athlete underscore doc. RSM stands for resilience, strength, and movement. Um, just wanted those three things to be part of the brand, so I just made it an acronym. So oh, yeah. not it's not Dinkin Chiropractic or Sports Medicine. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's RSM Sports Medicine and Rehab. <laughs> cool. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you all for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.